Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. This is the second week in a row that we've read a scripture where Jesus sort of... um, puts down the idea of family, it seems like. Uh, last week, remember, we read about uh, he was teaching in the temple and somebody came up to him and said, your mother and brothers are outside. He said, no, my family is, are, are those who do the will of God. Um, they're my mother and brothers and sisters. And this week, here he is, uh, sort of, um, he seems to belittle the family a little bit. Again, when he says, uh, you've got to be willing to leave your family behind. No, you're not going to go back and, and tell them farewell. Uh, you're not going to go back and, and bury your father. If you're going to follow me, you come and do it. And so uh, these, these two passages are pretty close together in the Gospel of Luke. And if you're reading them, you might start wondering, well, why is Jesus being so um, critical of, of families and, and of you know, family ties? Isn't uh, the Bible supposed to condone family values? And certainly Christianity is a religion that, that, um, that puts family values, um, that, that values that very highly. And if we look back at the Old Testament, we see that, yes, uh, the family unit, the family structure was given to us by God. It is God's gift to us. And that uh, we are told to honor that. It was one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and your mother. And if you go to the book of Proverbs, you see over and over again, you see uh, that a wise son makes a glad father or a glad mother. A foolish one brings them grief. And uh, even Jesus, in his parables, he talks about family and the love that's there and those relationships that are there. Uh, The parable of the prodigal son is about how a father loves his son and, and the son coming back to his father. The parable of the father with the two sons in the vineyard is about the man who has two sons and one of them does what his father says and brings honor to his father. So Jesus is not putting down families, I don't think. Jesus uh, agrees with the, the Old Testament sentiment that, that the, uh, the, the family unit was given to us by God as a blessing and that we should honor those relationships. So why is he saying this? Why, why is he saying that we've got to be ready to leave our families behind to follow him? Well, it's because even the wonderful God-given blessings that we have in our lives, things such as family and our relationships, our friendships, anything that God has given us, no matter how great it is, it can all be a stumbling block in our relationship uh, with Jesus Christ if we are not faithful in the way 
that we use them or the way that we live into those relationships. Anything, any blessing God gives us can create an obstacle in our journey of faith if we are not faithful in the way that we live with it. You see, the root of what's going on here is, uh, is this idea of discipleship. And we've talked at length in, in, in here about discipleship, what it means to follow Jesus, to be a follower of Christ. And that's what being a disciple is, following Jesus. And Jesus here is, is talking to three separate people who one says, Lord, I want to follow you. And then, and then it says another one he called. He said, come follow me. And, and the guy had reservations. And so we're talking about this idea of, of discipleship, following Jesus. And, and if we're going to follow Jesus, then we have to be mindful of the things that we are reluctant to surrender. Because no matter how good it is, how wonderful of a blessing it is, even if it's something like a, a good family life, whatever it is, if we are not willing to surrender it for the sake of Christ, then it can become an obstacle. In fact, it can become more than an obstacle if it can become an idol. Because the one thing that we refuse to put above, or, or the one thing that we uh, refuse to allow God to be placed above is an idol to us. Anything that we allow to be placed above God uh, has more of our heart than he does. Now, this passage doesn't just deal with families um, and other places where Jesus calls people to follow him. It's not all about the families because sometimes the families aren't the obstacle. Sometimes the family is not the thing that somebody is unwilling to surrender or to sacrifice or give up. So let's look at, at some other examples. In the New Testament, Jesus tells the, the rich man for, to follow him. What does he have to do? Give up all his possessions. Go sell everything you own and give it to the poor. And the man can't do it. Because that's his one thing. That's his one obstacle that he doesn't want to leave behind to follow Christ. But if we look at the people who do follow Christ, the ones who he says, follow me, and they are faithful and they come follow him, what, what do they do? If we look at Peter, Andrew, James, and John, they were fishermen. And it says, when Jesus told them, follow me, what did they do? It says, they left their nets behind. Their nets, for them, were the one thing. Their nets, their life of fishing, was the one obstacle, the one thing that could have competed for their heart over Christ. But they left it behind to follow him. When he called Matthew, the tax collector, he said, come follow me. It says, Matthew got up and left his table behind. The table where he collected his money. That was his one thing. That was his obstacle that he had to surrender. That was the thing that was going to compete for his heart. And these are people who were, were faithful in their call, their answer to the call. They left behind. They were willing to surrender those, those things. It doesn't have to be a family. It could be anything that gives us a sense of security. And oftentimes we have these things, these security blankets. It could be a job, it could be a relationship, it could be a bank account, it could be any number of things that we're clinging on to. That's our security blanket that we just can't let go of. That's what we find our comfort in. And what Jesus is saying is, when you follow me, you've got to be ready to give up any comfort. You've got to be ready to surrender whatever it is that you're clinging on to. Foxes have holes. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man doesn't have a place to lay his head. 
You're not going to have a nest to claim as your own, a hole to claim as your own, a, 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 a security blanket. You've got to be willing to leave whatever that thing is that you're clinging to behind. If you follow me, there's no sense of security. Now, if being a disciple means following Jesus, then obviously following Jesus means going where Jesus goes. Now, I don't know about you, but when I I think about that, and when I think about it really long and and hard, I, I realize that there's... There's some conviction there. We have to take a look at our own spiritual practice. If we have to go where Jesus goes, then we have to look at our own spiritual life and ask, are we doing that? Because there are many people who their their idea of Christianity, their idea of following Christ is to uh, come to church or to put something in the offering plate or maybe... Uh, if, if they're feeling very generous, maybe give to something like Operation Christmas Child or something like that where maybe you put together a shoebox full of, of goods and it goes off across the globe to somebody who's in need. Don't get me wrong. All of those things are wonderful, wonderful things. Coming to church, sitting on a pew with, with, with people that you can grow with spiritually, uh, that is, is a wonderful part of Christianity is a wonderful part of growing in our faith, being strengthened as a body of believers. But if that's all we do, then what are we doing? We are sitting in a little comfort zone. And if all we do is just write a check and that's, that's the end of our mission or, or our service, then we're just sitting in our comfort zone. And we have to ask ourselves, if we are disciples, if we are followers of Christ, Are we following Christ by remaining in a little comfort zone? The answer is no. Because everything we know about Jesus says that he didn't just sit somewhere with people that he liked. He didn't just get comfortable. He didn't minister from afar by sending some money off somewhere. Like I said, all of those things are wonderful things. But that's not not all Jesus did. Jesus was out there going into the dark places. Jesus was out there talking to the people that no one else would talk to. Jesus was out there loving the people that needed love, that no one else would care for. And if we are going to follow him, we have to go where Jesus went. We have to go where Jesus goes. We have to go where Jesus is calling us today. And that means getting outside of our comfort zone. It means being willing to surrender our security blankets, whatever they are. It means being willing to leave the nest from time to time. On the front of your bulletin, I wrote uh, a, an ad there that was, was written a number of years ago by Sir Ernest Shackleton uh, in London. And he was an Antarctic explorer and uh, was you know, really well known uh, by the time he wrote this ad, but his ad said, Men wanted for hazardous journeys, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return, doubtful. Now that's not a very promising ad. But he had thousands of people respond to it. He had so many people respond to it that he had to turn down thousands of people. He had to say, no, I, I have too many people that are going on this expedition with me. Now, if, if I put an ad like that in the paper, nobody would respond. 
or nobody should respond because it sounds it sounds crazy. But people knew who he was. He was an explorer that everybody was familiar with, and they knew that he went on these adventures. They knew that he went to the Antarctic, and they wanted to be uh, part of that as well. And and so uh, so you had all these people signing on for this this wonderful adventure because they knew who he was. We know who Jesus is. We know what he can do. We know the places that he goes. And that's why we choose to follow him. We may end up going some places that are dark, some places that are lonely and frightening. But we know that it's going to be rewarding because he's going to take us on an adventure, an expedition that will be much more more worthwhile than sitting at home in our comfort zones. Jesus is calling us to go places with him. There's nothing more exciting and promising than that. There's also nothing more liberating than it. Imagine how liberating it must have felt for Thomas to stand up and, and just leave his tables and his tax books behind and just say, I'm done with this. I'm trusting you, God. I'm following you, Jesus. Wherever you take me, I'm I'm trusting that that God is going to work all this out, and I'm just not going to worry about this anymore. Imagine how liberating it must have felt for the disciples to just step out of that boat and drop their nets and say, I'm done with this. I'm done worrying about the fish and and, and the the market and all this kind of stuff, and, and I'm just going to put this in your hands, God. And I'm going to follow this man. I'm going to follow this, this Jesus and go wherever you take me. That's a, that's a liberating feeling. And when we leave things behind, when we are willing to say whatever it is, a relationship, a job, our money, whatever it is, when we're willing to leave that comfort zone behind and say, I'm willing to just drop this and see where God's going to take me. It's a feeling of adventure, but it's also a feeling of marvelous freedom. Now, just because we are willing to surrender something doesn't mean that we're always going to become estranged from it. It doesn't mean that because we surrender our family to God or we surrender our job to God that we can't do it anymore or that we can't have those family relationships anymore. In fact, it means that if if we continue to have those relationships and those jobs, they're going to be even more blessed. Because all of a sudden now no longer is it us obsessing over them and trying to control them and cling on to them. We've given them to God. And God can consecrate them. And He can use them to be a further blessing in our lives. A good example of this is marriage. There's a reason why Jesus compares His relationship with the church to a bride and a groom. You see, Scripture tells us that that in marriage, a a man leaves his family, a woman leaves her family, and the two, they, they what? They become one. And it's the same thing when we leave to follow Jesus. We leave everything else behind. We leave our nest, our family, whatever it is, behind to become part of something much greater. But then what happens when you get married? Does that mean you can never talk to your family again, your parents again? No. I I left my family when I I grew up and my parents and my siblings and and I got married to Claire. And Claire, you know, when she reached a certain age, she left her family and her her siblings and and, and she got married to me and, and, and we became a new family. But we still have healthy relationships 
with our parents and with our siblings. Those relationships are still there. So just because you surrender something or you leave something behind for the sake of something greater doesn't mean that thing goes away. In fact, it means that God can bless it in new ways. It means that you have a sense of priority that you didn't have before. You have a sense of balance that you didn't have before because you realize that your priority is in the greater thing. And for us, that greater thing is following Christ, is discipleship. You see, salvation and discipleship are bound together. We talk about salvation, uh, this, this moment where we, we receive our salvation, we receive justification for our sins, we come to Jesus, we decide what? That we're going to follow Him. That's what repentance is. It's not just realizing, I'm sorry for everything I've done, please forgive me for everything I've done. It's, it's a turning. A repentance is a turning. It's saying, I regret my life of sin, and now I want to follow you. And a life of discipleship grows from that. Salvation and discipleship are bound tightly together. But salvation and discipleship can only be done if it is approached with an attitude of complete surrender. Discipleship isn't easy. It requires us to take a constant inventory of our relationships, our desires, our hobbies, and our passions. We must be mindful of anything that can lead us into idolatry. Discipleship also requires for us to examine our own comfort level. Are we feeling too safe, too secure? Following Jesus is not just done from a comfort level. And if we feel comfortable, then maybe we should take note. Maybe we should realize that it's time for us to step out, to go on a new adventure with Christ, to go where He's calling us, even if it is uncomfortable. Let's ask ourselves this morning, what is my nest? What is my foxhole that I don't want to leave behind? What is my security blanket that I find myself clinging to too tightly? What is the relationship that I have that might be hindering my relationship with God? We have to surrender those to God if we want to truly follow Jesus. He's calling us. He's calling us daily. And we have a choice daily to leave everything behind and follow Him. But we have to be willing to go where He goes. Today He is calling us to the table. He is calling us together in communion. And I want to remind you that the table, the altar, is not the United Methodist altar. It's not the United Methodist table. It's not my table. It's not this building's table. It is God's table. And all are welcome to it regardless of denominational affiliation, regardless of membership, regardless of anything. All of us are welcome at the table. So if you turn with me to page 12 in your hymnal. And as I read the, confession, the, the invitation, please read with me responsibly. For Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be 